We are looking uh, today in Luke chapter 6, verses 17 to 26, which I'll just read through now. I think it will be possibly on the screen as well. So Luke chapter 6, verse 17. Here, Jesus went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, and from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by evil spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him because the power was coming from him and healing them all. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven, for that is how their fathers treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, you who have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for that is how their fathers treated the false prophets. I need this for a quote later, so I don't want to lose that. So this um, really, uh, what is essentially uh, Mark's brief summary of the Sermon on the Mount, which we have a much fuller account of in Matthew, has so much in it that it would be uh, warranting a sermon series in itself. A sermon series that I'm sure many of you have heard before. Sermon series on the Beatitudes, and uh, really important that we do that because they are uh, the teachings of Jesus so fundamental to, to what we believe and what we do. And, and summarizing this in the space of a few minutes, this even even just these few verses is a really hard thing to do. So uh, before I speak, I'm offering to you an invitation because there are things that I'm going to say that only begin to scratch the surface of such important verses. And there are things I'm going to say that may cause more questions than answers. And so I'm inviting you on Wednesday at one o'clock. I'm going to be in All Saints and we're just going to, st- I'm just going to study this passage. And if you want to join me in studying this passage, join me on Wednesday, All Saints, one o'clock, just to see what God is saying through these verses because I can't cover it all in a sermon and it's too important to just gloss over. Uh, So if you're available on Wednesday during the day, one o'clock, come to All Saints and we'll look at it together. Uh, But I want to draw out just two of the themes uh, this morning. I want to look at the theme of persecution and the theme of integrity and see how those two things are so closely linked. And actually we've just been singing about it as well, which beautifully brings it together as well. There are, through the generations, uh, so many people claiming to be prophets who speak over this country that persecution is coming. And I'm not the one to judge whether or not those people are prophetic, but they are there, and they speak this, this coming, this promise of a coming persecution. And actually, we know that persecution is something that Jesus guarantees uh, will come. It is something that we, uh, at some point, I'm sure, in some way, will all face. But it's important that we understand uh, what persecution is and what persecution isn't, to to recognize when we see it around the world. Because I think often people uh, assign things to persecution that are not persecution. And doing so is massively disrespectful to our brothers and sisters in Christ who are genuinely facing persecution. And I think it's really important we understand the difference of what persecution is and what it isn't, uh, particularly in this nation. And I found this quote that was really helpful that I thought actually 
Do I think that we are in a time of persecution uh, now as a nation? And actually, I, I don't think we are. But I think this quote sums up where we are at really well. While the church is not an ethnic minority, and it's important to clarify that, we are what sociologists call a cognitive minority, meaning as followers of Jesus, our worldview and value system and practices and social norms are increasingly at sharp odds with those of our host culture. We face constant pressure from both the left and the right to assimilate and follow the crowd. I think that's a summary of where we're at. I think it's a really helpful, honest summary of where we're at. But it's not persecution. Being told to wear a mask in church is not persecution. Being told to worship at home is not persecution. That's really disrespectful to our brothers and sisters whose lives are at risk on a daily basis for believing in Jesus. And persecution is something that when we look at it from a kingdom perspective needs to be understood because persecution, and when people kind of prophesy about persecution, I I sometimes get this undertone of fear and anxiety or worry that comes along with it or fear or shame or whatever it may be. And fear and shame are things that have no place in the kingdom of God with except for fear of the Lord. So if persecution is of the kingdom of God, which we know it is because Jesus is preaching about it in the Sermon of the Mount, there should be no fear and shame related to persecution at all. And we have to remember that that Luke is writing this at a time where persecution is rife in the church. Luke, as the gospel writer, is recounting the words of Jesus when persecution is happening around him. And he writes word for word what Jesus says, that when persecution comes... Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. I mean, come on, what? (laughs) Jesus, what are you talking about? Rejoice in that day and leap for joy? That's not how the world would see persecution. But it's very clear that we need to understand that he's not saying rejoice that persecution is happening. Don't rejoice in the persecution. Persecution is not a jolly. It's not fun. There's nothing enjoyable about it. But what he's saying is rejoice at what's on the other side of it. Rejoice that your inheritance is a promised inheritance. That even death itself has no victory over you. Rejoice that this is happening because A, you have a promised inheritance on the other side of it, but also rejoice because this is what has been said is going to happen for a particular reason. And I think there's something important we need to understand in our heads that when it comes to rejoicing and leaping for joy... Not at persecution itself, but what's on the other side. Because we need to understand a fundamental truth that came to me this week. And I believe and I hope and I pray this is from God. I'm not claiming that this is prophetic. Don't worry. But I just had a real sense of this, of God saying to me personally, that we need to understand that in the kingdom of God, persecution is not a punishment from God on the church for what it's doing wrong. It's an affirmation that it's getting it right. It's an affirmation that the church is getting it right. Because it means the church is standing up and speaking for Jesus to a society that can't accept him. That can't receive him. Which we knew would happen. Jesus would say that people would reject him. And so what we need to understand is that when society, when the world is threatened by the way of Jesus and his lordship, it wants to reject Jesus and push him out. And the only way it knows how to do it is to reject those who represent him on the earth. Which should be us. So if persecution comes, 
And suffering comes with it. And remembering what we spoke about about a year ago, that, that in suffering we see the glory of God. That it's in sharing in his suffering we see his glory the most. We can rejoice. Knowing that it's an affirmation that we're doing the right thing. When I was at college, uh, the Bishop of Uganda came over to our college to speak to us at a time where persecution was rife in Uganda. The church was under serious, serious threat, but it was growing, thriving. And when he shared his story of what was happening in Uganda, it was asked of him, how can we pray for the church in Uganda? His response, oh, don't pray for us. The church is fine in Uganda. It's growing and thriving. Pray for yourselves where the church is too comfortable. (laughs) I think that's really powerful. Really powerful words from him. Because we know that where persecution is happening, the church is growing and thriving because people are standing up for Jesus. And the question that the students of this nation are asking, does it work? Does Jesus work? The answer is yes, he works, and he's at work. And so if and when persecution comes, we shouldn't be fearing. We should be ready to rejoice in what's promised beyond it and see it as an affirmation that we're standing up for Jesus enough. And that is where integrity comes into this as well and why it's so important for us as Christians to basically say that if we are saying that we are a Christian, it means we're following Jesus. 100%. As we've been saying so many times over the past few weeks, following Jesus is not a hobby. It is our entire way of life. And either he means everything to us or he means nothing to us. He can't mean anything in between. He is our all in all. And so if we are saying we are followers of Jesus, then we are followers of Jesus full stop. And he is our priority, our number one in life. And then he goes on to list those four woes. Uh, Woe to you who are rich. For you've already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed. You will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh. You will mourn and weep. Uh, woe to you who sp- when men speak well of you. He's basically saying all these things that, that offer the, the illusion of life and enjoyment and freedom will all fall away. None of them will stand. But Jesus will. Jesus stands. And he's calling us into that deeper relationship with him. Where these things around us don't matter so much. They don't matter to us as much as he does. That he is, as we've just been singing, our priority, our number one, our all in all. You see, whether or not persecution is coming, imminently or in years to come, the response is still the same. We can't be responsible for the whole church and how it's acting or behaving in this nation. We can't be responsible for a particular denomination of the church and how it's acting and behaving. And we can't even really be responsible for other people and how they're acting and behaving. And we certainly can't judge how they're acting and they're behaving. It's not for us to say whether a church or individuals are blowing hot or cold or lukewarm or whatever. Only Jesus has that judgment. Nobody else has that right. The one thing in this world Jesus did not outsource was his judgment. 
He outsourced his love, his compassion, his kindness, even his miracles, his power, his glory. All of those things he outsourced to his church. But judgment is reserved for him alone. He's the only one on the throne who can do that. We cannot. The only thing we can do is focus on how we're doing with Jesus. Whether persecution is here today or not, the response is the same. Be with Jesus, be like Jesus, do what Jesus does. It's our daily discipleship, it's our apprenticeship to him, that's who we are about, what we are about. And we can't do anything other than I'd say these three things. Help ourselves in our apprenticeship to Jesus, as in be responsible for our own discipleship. Help those around us with their discipleship to Jesus. And here's the third one, probably the one we find hardest. Accept help from others when we need it for our discipleship to Jesus. So the only things we can be responsible for, ourselves. And when persecution comes, whatever it looks like, however it appears, whatever it feels like when it's in it, we won't rejoice that we're being persecuted, but we can rejoice in what's the other side of it and rejoice that the church is being honoured for standing up for Jesus. Because it's not us that's being rejected, really, when that happens. It's Christ in us that's being rejected. Christ in us, the hope of glory. I'm not the one to say whether the prophets are speaking truth or not. I'm not the one to say when the hour will be, when the day will be, because I don't think that's for us to judge. But I want to be sure that when it happens, I'm with Jesus, I know Jesus, I'm trying to be like Jesus, and I'm doing what he does. Because that's the same whether we're in persecution or not. It doesn't change. Following Jesus is more than a hobby. And I want to ensure that he is my everything, my all in all, as we've just been singing. I'm going to leave it there. And I'm just going to allow the Holy Spirit for a moment to do what he needs to do. Let's just, um, just be still in this moment. Holy Spirit, thank you. You know, there's a work that that we are responsible for in ourselves, but there's so much, God, that only you can do in us. That that desire you have from us to go from glory to glory is is largely a work of the Holy Spirit, and our call is to just invite him to do his work amongst us, to be open to that. And so as we seek to be with Jesus, be like Jesus and do what he does, we pray, Holy Spirit, would you infuse us? Would you fill us to overflowing? And if, you, if you're here this morning feeling condemned in any way, see that condemnation as not a condemnation of who you are or what you're doing or anything, but an invitation from Jesus to say, get to know me better. Come to me. Learn my way of life. I so desire to be your one thing. I so desire to be your main thing. So lay aside what hinders you 
and come. And let's see what we can do together for the kingdom. I just feel that this morning is, is a, a line in the sand moment of saying it's a, a chance to re-surrender to the way of Jesus. And so if, you, if you're here this morning and you want to re-surrender to the way of Jesus, can I invite you to stand where you are? Just as a sign of saying, Jesus, here I am, here's my all. I, I stand and I surrender to you. Jesus, may we be with you. May we be like you. May we do what you do. May we help ourselves in our own discipleship. May we help those around us in their discipleship. May we accept the help of others when we need it in our own discipleship. For the building of your kingdom and to the glory of your name. The name of Jesus, which we proclaim. The name that is above every name. The name at one day at which every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. And we make that confession this morning. Jesus is Lord. Amen.